The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. It's sex out loud. And you're welcome to listen in. Passion on CJAD 800. We have a packed show tonight. Oh, I have uh, lots of great information to share. Uh, we're going to talk about the experiences of highly uh, sexual women. We're going to talk about masturbation clubs. Yeah, there, there is such a thing, believe it or not. Uh, we're going to talk about Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, we're going to play Dirty Minds. We're going to find out more about burlesque and, uh, and probably more. Uh, but first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion at 514-800. Remember, you can send me your questions anytime throughout the show. I'll answer some now. I'll answer some towards the end of the show if you have some. And you can also email me anytime, laurie at drlaurie.com. That's throughout the week. All right, here's a question by email. I've started dating a guy that is fantastic in almost every area except the bedroom. The sex is horrible and frustrating. It's not that he's a guy who just pounds away and it's over. It's like he doesn't even know how to do the motions, how to position himself, and can't even handle me on top without his awkward leg movement and bouncing, screwing it up. How do I even begin to improve this situation? So, is he experienced or inexperienced? Because it sounds like uh, maybe he is. And if he is experienced, maybe his past lovers never communicated with him honestly. So, he just thought he was doing a great job. Uh, So, I think part of this is you have to um, think about your expectations. Just going into a new relationship, uh, your expectations about, about how sex is supposed to be Uh, And if you have this whole idea of what it's supposed to be, you're likely to be disappointed because we're all different. Uh, Each individual has their own lovemaking style, techniques, etc. So, and chances are that what may be good for one person may not be good or compatible for someone else. So maybe his past lovers have been compatible with him and uh, you're not. But having said that, uh, especially if you think he's a great guy in, in many other ways, I think there there's a way around this. First of all, have you talked to him about what you enjoy and don't enjoy in the bedroom? Do you think he's open to having this kind of conversation? Not during sex, but a- after. And you have to be able to communicate this. But how you communicate this is important. You're going to have to do this without uh, criticism, especially if he's inexperienced, because like, you could uh, basically destroy him, right? And destroy his motivation to even try new things. So start out by telling him what you do like. Maybe you like the way he kisses and that you really appreciate that. Um, and then steer him towards what you would rather he do differently rather than tell him, I don't like this. So say you can, um, maybe next time if you did it this way, I think it feels better for me. It feels better for me when you do this or that. Uh, so I think that it can be worked on, not always, but it can be, especially if the person you feel is worth it. You've got to take the time to work with him, uh, for the two of you to have a satisfying sex life. Like remember that great lovers are not just born. They are taught. We can learn 
to be a good lover. So maybe give it a chance and see uh, see what happens. If anybody else has thoughts on this, have you ever tried to uh, train a, a lover to do things the way you like them done or the way you would like to have sex or to make it more compatible? Maybe it started out not compatible and became compatible. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, and I'm sure our, our writer would love to uh, hear your thoughts on that as well. I'm 18 years old, and recently I lost my virginity. I went away with my girlfriend for a week. We had sex most days, but not once was I able to finish. Doesn't matter how long we were going for. I wasn't able to finish at all. In the past, though, I've been able to finish while masturbating. Is this a natural thing or something I should be concerned about? So this is a topic that comes up in various forms, uh, over time, right? We've, we've, I'm sure you've all heard this type of situation uh, before because it's, it's, it's quite common, especially in younger men, uh, like right before they become really sexual or have a partner, there's a, oftentimes frequent masturbation. So this is where it's possible that you've gotten used to one kind of stimulation and you know exactly how your penis works you know exactly how to get yourself there you know your body best you know in terms of pressure and speed and and everything you need intercourse doesn't necessarily offer the same sensation so you may um you may have to kind of train your body to get used to other forms of stimulation so my suggestion to you would be stop masturbation and just have sex with your partner, which means don't even finish yourself off. Like don't make it so that you have to have that orgasm and this way that you have to take care of it yourself. So you've got to kind of train your penis to get used to that sensation and only that sensation for now so that it can, uh, it can work. 514-800, if you have uh, any questions for me about sex, love, relationships, would love to hear uh, your questions and would love to help as well. Um, I, so I've been with my significant other for years now, but we've come to a complication. We have totally different sex drives. Whereas I prefer daily, she could go two months without a single urge. So far, we've compromised to getting it on about once every two weeks. The rest of the time, I'm handling it myself. In the beginning of our relationship, we were at it like rabbits, but now it feels like she resents sexual activity due to several negative experiences in the past prior to me. Is there some way to get her drive going again. So this, we can have a whole conversation about sex in long-term uh, relationships because in long-term relationships, especially for women, it ebbs and flows uh, and especially female sexual desire. So it's not really about resenting sexual activity, but maybe she resents the pressure that she uh, feels coming from you. And maybe now it feels like a chore for her instead of something that she could enjoy uh, for herself and or and something just simply to share. So what you're describing is is where women lose their you talk about urge, but it's like their spontaneous desire for sex, their hunger uh, for sex in long-term relationships. Not all women, but a, a large part of women do that. And once they make the choice um, to have sex, to engage in sex, they usually quite enjoy it and will say so. At least when I speak to women, that's exactly what happens. So I would explore uh, what is, what's blocking her from making that choice. Like, What are the conditions that she needs to say yes to sex? What does she need 
more of from you. So if you want, I did do a TED Talk um, that you can find on my website. It's a TED Talk about passion in long-term relationships. You can have a look at that and see if it's something that could uh, could interest you. And I'm sure you could relate to it and your partner could relate to it as well. A texter writes, uh, not everybody can be trained. Okay, that's good. It's like dancing. You've either got rhythm or you don't. But a lot of people don't have rhythm. doesn't mean they're not great in bed. There's plenty of people who aren't dancers, who aren't great at dancing and can do it in bed. Uh, a couple of exes of mine just couldn't get it no matter how much teaching I did. We had to call it quits. And this is from a, uh, a female. So that's, uh, that's interesting right there. So, so you think some people are simply just not compatible. They, it's like, I guess you're right, like dancing. They just keep stepping on your toes and aren't learning, you know, the right steps. Listen, that's certainly a possibility, right? Uh, coming up, I have lots of great stories uh, to share with you and, and some new research, especially on highly sexual women. You just heard me talk about low desire in women, but we don't study much the women who tend to have uh, a, high, a high sex drive. And it's like maybe uh, a quarter of women would might fall into that, maybe less, all right? So we'll talk about that. And uh, I don't know, has anybody seen Highwaymen on Netflix? It's the backstory of Bonnie and Clyde, you know? They were bounty hunters who were chasing them. Uh, and the actual story of Bonnie and Clyde is, to me, quite fascinating. Like, they were viewed like this power couple full of passion and danger, and they were like heroes to the public. So uh, to me, it's a fascinating story. I'd love to learn more about it. And one that's going to be played out in musical theater beginning on April 25th. So we're going to find out more. We strip away the stigmas every night with passion on CJAD 800. Bonnie and Clyde, everybody's heard that couple, about that couple. One of the most iconic couples of the 20th century. And now we get to hear their story through musical theater. Joining me is Deborah Friedman. She is the director of uh, Bonnie and Clyde, the musical. Hi, Deborah. Hi, Dr. Laurie. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing tonight? Good, thank you. So tell me um, why the story of Bonnie and Clyde, like, of course, I know it's a fascinating story. I just saw Highwaymen. I, it was the first time I'd actually seen more about it, but that was the backstory. What story are you telling? Yeah, I mean, they're such an iconic pair, obviously. As you said, they're super famous. They kind of launched themselves into infamy. They were these incredible heroes in a really dark time for America, right during the Depression era when people didn't really have a lot of heroes to look up to and everything was really dire. And they were two people who were just really, really passionate about finding a way out of that circumstance. And but they killed of, people. <laughs> of course, yeah. The choices that they made, that's what makes it interesting, right? Uh, yeah, the choices that they made, the choices that I think in a way, especially in this show, seem to really be driven by their passion for one another and their passion to kind of rise above where they started. Um, we get to see them like from children kind of grow up as these super passionate, super ambitious people. And yeah, then they fall in love and they kind of go into this really destructive path that obviously leads them down some pretty dark, pretty dark alleys. Yeah. It's a crazy story of love. When you think about it, it's like, it's a, it's, it's a true romance story, but, but 
you know, full of violence, not to each other, but full of violence. So it's just, they make an unlikely, they make unlikely heroes. Yeah, I mean, definitely. In that time, uh, violence and kind of Al Capone and all these kind of famous criminals were really like becoming the people's heroes because there was such a resentment towards the government. Right. um, And such a resentment towards the situation. So it is interesting how they were kind of launched from what should be seen as kind of criminals and seen as, as kind of the bad guys into this kind of weird heroism that they lived in. And I think that really does root down a lot to the fact that they had this incredible, passionate love story. And I think that's what people really related to. And Bonnie, especially, I mean, she was such a iconic figure, this kind of gun toting woman really redefining a lot of the expectations. And there was pictures of her in magazines with a cigar hanging out of her mouth, which her (laughs) mother hated very much. Actually, she started Um, a whole fashion trend. Yeah, she really, she really radically changed, uh, changed. I think the image for women in general in that time. She was kind of this big hero, and and their love story, the two of them together as a pair. I mean, that's really what drove my interest personally into this story. And I think generally, I guess as you said, the Highwayman just came out on Netflix. Like this is something that almost a hundred years later now we're still interested in. So that's really cool. I think so too. I I was, I, I had, I knew the story kind of, but not much. Like I knew what everybody knew. Right. And then watching highwaymen, I saw the, the violence and I saw all the stuff that they got, all the illegal stuff they got into. But now, and then I, you know, when I was speaking to you guys about this musical, I got the whole other side, right. It's like the, the, the love and the passion and uh, what made them such a, a good can I say a, a good couple I don't even know <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I mean they're definitely a passionate couple passion is a good word to describe them good toxic at times I mean real is what I think is interesting about them they kind of don't portray this sort of typical love story no. and I love that about this show because they bring in a lot of other characters aside from Bonnie and Clyde they bring in a cop uh, like one of the cops featured in in Highwayman actually but this guy's name was Ted Hinton and he mm-hmm. is based on a real life cop but they kind of in the musical, he's actually in love with Bonnie, so there's this really interesting love mm. triangle that gets formed. And, of course, they also bring in uh, Clyde's brother, Buck, and his wife, Blanche, who also had a really passionate, deep love affair um, that's fascinating to watch unfold on stage because Blanche is a great fold for Bonnie. She's, like, this church-going, like, kind of, you expect her to be the stereotype prude, and then there's all these little jokes thrown in about how she people would be shocked to learn how unchristian she is in bed and things like that. So I, I love that love story as well, that we get to see kind of these different sides aside from obviously the central story of Bonnie and Clyde. Right. Bonnie and Clyde, the musical. Let's, uh, I want to play a little sampling of, uh, of the talent. If you just give me a, yeah, this all is, right, this let's is hear it. To me. Okay. That's the voice of Camille Cormier Morass. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Deborah, Deborah Friedman, the director of Bonnie and Clyde the Musical. When does it begin? Where? How do people get tickets? You can follow us online on, on Facebook or on Instagram, Contact Theater MTL. You can also check us out at the mainlinetheater.ca. Well, our tickets are up there. Um, we open April 25th and we run through till April 28th. We only have five shows and tickets are selling 
super fast. So don't miss your chance to see this super passionate cast. Save me a couple. <laughs> okay. I Thank can't so wait much. to see this. Thanks, Dr. Laurie. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, that's uh, Deborah Friedman, the director of Bonnie and Clyde, the musical at Mainline Theater starting April 25th. Contact Theater, MTL. Uh, you can check it out right there. All right. Let me, uh, let me share a couple of stories that I wanted to bring up. And by the way, after 1030, we're also going to play Dirty Minds. Uh, this one is interesting because it was a listener uh, who made this one up and it will be your chance to win a one month unlimited membership to 360 Punch. It's a fitness, a new fitness center on the West Island. Uh, actually where I train with uh, for boxing and uh, my my trainer my coach just won uh, an MMA fight last night so um, very excited for him so coach X uh, will be giving a class tomorrow uh, so that's coming up after uh, after 10:30 there so I want to talk a little bit about the experiences of highly sexual women because very little research uh, is done on women with high sex drives Usually what we see uh, research done on is uh, low sex drive, right? That's, that's what you, we, we end up seeing because there's far more of this as a problem. Most people don't come in to see somebody and say, oh, I have a problem. I have a, a high sex drive, right? Uh, so one of the studies, and I'll share just some of the, the, the very few studies on this, that was published in the Journal of Sex Research. This was in 2002, interviewed 44 women, so across the, all ages, who self-identified as being highly sexual about their experiences. The women in the study described their sexuality as a core part of who they were and something that had a strong influence on the way, the way they lived their lives. Specifically, women indicated that their feelings of sexual desire and sexual excitement were intense urges that could not be uh, ignored. Women described how their motivation to seek out sexual stimuli and sexual satisfaction made up a considerable portion of how they organized their time and energy, meaning going out, finding sex partners, uh, when to masturbate, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and despite uh, women's a strong desire to seek out sexual stimulation, women in the study also indicated that they felt that society holds a negative view of highly sexual women. That was in 2002. I think that is similar even today, uh, in fact. Um, women reported experiencing struggles and challenges in most area of their lives because of their sexuality, which you don't see men experiencing the same, I believe. Uh, this included sometimes doubting how they felt about themselves, worrying about how their sexual urges might impact their relationships with partners, and feeling concerned that they might be judged by their female friends and acquaintances. So another study done in 2009 wanted to see what, what makes women different, those who are highly sexual from women who have uh, lower levels of desire. How, why are they different? How are they different? It was found that highly sexual women reported having higher sex drives. All right, makes sense. But they also reported engaging in more sexual communication, had more sexual thoughts and fantasies, and they considered themselves to be more sexually adventurous. They also reported higher levels of sexual self-esteem and better body image. They also described holding more positive attitudes uh, in terms of engaging in casual sex, watching porn, masturbating, and wearing sexy 
clothing. So lots of uh, that, that was the, the those are the main uh, differences between those with higher sex drives and those with uh, lower sex drives. So uh, they also found that women who had the higher sex drive spent a lot more time. This is another study done, a, a more recent study, a lot more time being in their bodies. Uh, so being focused on their pleasure, being mindful. So that's a technique now that we use mindfulness techniques for uh, women to um, get more into the sex, focusing more on the body. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk about this thing. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, masturbation clubs. I know it's, it doesn't sound real, but, but, but it's a real thing. Masturbation clubs for men, not for women, for men. So I'll tell you what that's all about. Plus we'll play Dirty Minds after we check in with our CJD 800 newsroom. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. This is Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Time to play Dirty Minds. Dirty Minds is a game that already exists, but a listener made one up for us, and uh, I think I'm going to use it. So it's uh, it's got some clues, although it doesn't read as clue one, two, and three. Uh, the, here's the thing. It sounds dirty. The answer is not. So the way to get the answer is to get your mind out of the gutter, which sometimes is not so easy <laughs> to do. I personally find it very difficult not that it's in the gutter but my mind tends to go to the sexual stuff obviously uh so i'm going to read this out first caller through with the correct answer at 514-790-0800 will win a one month unlimited pass to 360 punch it's on the west island it's brand new by the way if you can take your first class for free so i'm going to be there tomorrow uh, for the 1015 class if anybody wants to join me look it up 360 punch sign up and uh, see you there be fun uh, so here goes i have felt the saliva of many wet tongues brush along my back and I've been pressed upon the smooth surfaces of multiple private inner folds before slipping inside many intimate openings along my numerous personal worldly pursuits. Pursuits. What am I? I don't know if it's too difficult, but I said I would give it a try. So I'm going to read again. I have felt the saliva of many wet tongues brush along my back and, I, and been pressed upon the smooth surfaces of multiple private inner folds before slipping inside many intimate openings along my numerous personal worldly pursuits. I would have made it a bit easier than that, but nonetheless, I thought it was really good. I came close when I had the answer, but I didn't quite get it. Let's see if you get it. 514-790-0800. All right, I want to tell you a little bit about a club, a brand new club, and you tell me if it's something you would even want to join. So this is called a masturbation club. Basically... I have to read you part of this article. So but this guy had never masturbated in front of another man, let alone a group of other men before in his life. Yet he says in retrospect, the weirdest thing about what he did was how not weird it seemed at the time. It was tame, fratty, and kind of lame. I, there's no real data, by the way, to, to look at how, 
how often this goes on, except that if you ask adolescent males and think back to your adolescence, communal masturbatory experiences for boys or young adolescents, there's even a term for it on Tumblr. Tumblr. It's called buddy baiting. Women don't do this. Girls don't do this. Just saying. But I know a lot of adolescent boys who have done that. It's almost like a rite of passage. Uh, so as one um, author of a, of a book called Not Gay, Sex Between Straight White Men says, we know it's common for teenage boys to masturbate together or to instruct one another on how to do it. Uh, even coined the viral term bro jobs to describe straight men having sex with each other. Uh, she states, uh, Dr. Ward states a, a report in 1981 on male sexuality. This was the height report, which is a big thing, uh, which suggested that nearly 20% of men had engaged in group masturbation during adolescence. Is this anonymously? Just tell me, is this something that uh, you did? So in Seattle now, there's this club. It's called the Jack Off Club. It's called Rain City Jacks. Okay. That's the name of the club. It's a masturbation club for men who wish to, and quote off their website, jack off openly and safely in a uniquely sex positive, non-discriminating and mutually respectful community. Every Sunday and Tuesday, the Rain City Jacks meet at an erotic art gallery in Seattle. The furniture is covered in canvas and volunteers hand out small plastic cups of lube to guests. The lights are dimmed slightly and soft music plays while the men gather either alone or in small clusters and proceed to jerk off all the while keeping conversation to a minimum to ensure everyone stays in the moment. About 10% of uh, this uh, club's members uh, self-identify as heterosexual, 25% identify as bisexual, the rest are homosexual. I brought this up with... Um, with a gay friend of mine who said, oh yeah, masturbation clubs, I've heard of those things, like gay men do this, <laughs> uh, but I have not heard about this uh, for uh, uh, for straight men, I just haven't. As one person called, I've heard it's called a circle jerk, but a circle jerk is something that there's a, a purpose to it, it's like the, the usually in adolescence, the, the boys or adolescents are in a circle, they masturbate, and they all see how, basically how far into the circle they can ejaculate, but this is not the same thing, so sometimes here they do it together, they're, they're in the same room together, but anyway, apparently though, uh, it is said that, or they believe that some people like to do this to, to masturbate in front of other men as a way to get uh, validation like either it's a, co a compliment about the size of their genitals that maybe they may not get from their female female partners uh, they said one man said he frequently attended jack-off clubs because he wanted to masturbate in front of his female partner but she had no interest in watching him do so so to him uh, these clubs weren't much different than guys popping the hood and comparing engines. He said this was something he had a strong desire to share with other men. <laughs> One texter writes, that's so gay. Uh, well, it's you see it more in the gay community for sure, but 10% are uh, straight who do this. So um, it's happening. It, it is, it's maybe not as common, but it is happening. 
I love that this psychologist said the, the norms of collective arousal for men are very different than they are for women because no, nothing exists like this for young women, by the way. Uh, women don't do this. It's, and she says, it's just common for men's sexuality to express itself in a public way. Like have maybe do, do boys do this? Like, is this like, I guess having sex with, uh, their partners in front of each other or, uh, masturbating in front of each other. Um, <laughs> this text writes, I just don't understand why a straight man wouldn't rather stay at home and do it alone. Well, there's gotta be some exhibitionism or something that they get from it. Right. Uh, what if a woman likes watching a man masturbate? Well, then she has to ask her partner to do that. But women aren't allowed in these clubs, not allowed. Um, I'm sure they are bi curious. 25% yes are either bisexual or uh, or bi curious. D- uh, Dave, do we have a winner for our uh, our dirty minds? Because some texters are actually oh, we do have a winner. Jenny is our Winner, and let me just read it again and give you the answer. I I have felt the saliva of many wake, uh, wet tongues brush along my back. I've been pressed upon the smooth surfaces of multiple private inner folds before slipping into many intimate openings along my numerous personal worldly pursuits. The answer is a stamp. Congratulations, Jenny. It is a stamp. Uh, burlesque. Burlesque performances seem to be all the rage. Do you want to increase your confidence and sexual self-esteem? Maybe we could all use a little bit of that. So why not learn this new skill? We're going to find out how next. From the pleasure and the politics to the hangups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJAD 800. So learning burlesque is known to be quite empowering for women. There's a a women's empowerment workshop starting on Monday, which includes lessons on burlesque to improve your sexual self-esteem. And here to tell us a bit more is Robin. I don't know how to pronounce your last name. Jakai. Jay's? Jay. Jay is fine. Robin J is fine. <laughs> Robin J. All right. Yes. And that's easy because it's RobinJ.com. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Robin, tell us a bit more uh, about why this is important and how burlesque ties into female empowerment. Well, it's the inspiration behind it, really. I went to take my 18-year-old daughters to a burlesque show uh, for their 18th birthday, and I was completely wowed by the confidence that these very yeah. sexual women just exuded, and uh, the uh, the master and mistress of ceremonies was was equally confident and and sexy. And I walked out of there feeling more empowered, just having seen all of these real bodies embrace their inner sexuality and 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 control when they gave it out and when they didn't. It was it was brilliant yeah, and it's quite uh, beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was it was, and and I walked away. And feeling empowered myself and wondering if there were workshops that sort of catered to uh, that kind of thing, but also added in a bit of the um, working a little bit with what I what I've recently discovered is called embodied cognition, which is getting your body to teach your mind things. It's Mm. kind of you are what you act kind of thing. And it's based a little bit on the Amy Cuddy and she's a big TED talker. 
And uh, and I thought it'd be cool to see someone combine them. So I looked everywhere, and there wasn't any workshops being given, so I decided to put one together. Well, that's the way to do it. Yeah. That's an empowered woman talking right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's a really uh, interesting approach uh, to uh, just... Um, Speaking it to you, make it, it, it sounds, it sounds kind of plastic, but in fact, there's so much science coming out, recent science coming out that really supports it. And if we can sort of get women to take up their space a little bit more, we tend to make ourselves small, get out of the way. We tend to sort of erase ourselves, apologize for ourselves, and maybe putting them in a context where they don't have to do that and teaching them maybe, not teaching them, but sort of helping them rediscover their voices and, and just how big we're allowed to be. We're all allotted a certain amount of space on this planet, and it'd be nice to sort of be able to feel confident about taking that space. It, it is about taking the space. Like, nobody's going to give it to you. you got to take it, is what I always tell clients. And and I do, the concept of fake it till you make it actually really works, because you're right, the research shows that if you change your thoughts, you can change your behavior. If you change your behavior, you, it can also lead to changing of thinking. Absolutely. It's a loop because if we, if we act a certain way and people perceive us a certain way, they reflect that back to us and suddenly we're being validated uh, yeah. in, a, in a really, and it can be a very, really confidence building experience to Absolutely. have that go on and on and on. So, of course. So, Robin, where can uh, people learn more about this, uh, this uh, female empowerment workshop? At Robin, robinj.com, R-O-B-Y-N-J.com. And it starts? Monday night. Monday night. All right, At folks. At 7.30. Robinj.com. Good luck with this. Sounds like it's going to be a, a great fun and a, a great space for women. Thank Way to you go. very much. All right, you take care. Uh, robinj.com, R-O-B-Y-N-J. You can learn burlesque and uh, get some confidence and feelings of empowerment. All right. I want to get back to some of the, uh, so there's some texts and questions. So earlier in the program, there was a, a woman who wrote in uh, saying that she started dating a guy that's amazing, except in the bedroom. So the sex was horrible and frustrating to her and didn't like his technique and all of that. So uh, a lot of people weighed in on this. Says, I've noticed how men who can't move properly on the dance floor can't move properly in bed either. Nobody can compare to a good dancer from somebody who's had sufficient experience with both kinds. Another text writes, well, I used to not realize how bad I was at French kissing until a guy told me I was inexperienced. My tongue apparently was just all over the place in his mouth. He actually successfully taught me the timing of the tongue action. As embarrassed as I was initially, I was thankful for his honesty and to have the patience to give me a tutorial. Very good, which is very different than what somebody else said, who said some people just can't be taught. Um, Apparently, in many tribal cultures, the men dance in the village center, so the women can choose the men with the best rhythm and dance ability because it's a good sign of coordination, health, and hunting ability, and a sign of good genes to hand down to children. Good moves in bed is a bonus. Uh, all right. Very good. Uh, and also in, in terms of, um, 
the masturbation clubs we were talking about, somebody texted in, very interesting point of view. Maybe men find it easier to show their genitals to each other because of the way public bathrooms have open urinals and men grow up forced to see each other's private parts. Women grow up urinating in solitary closed stalls and tend to keep their genitals private. I feel sorry for the boys being forced to tolerate this embarrassment. Um, I, yeah, you wonder why, right? You're like why urinals, why not the privacy and this whole code of like, you're supposed to look straight ahead. This is why I heard this from guys like, don't look to the sides, like don't look at somebody else's genitals, but how do you not, if they're right there next to you, like it's, isn't it human nature almost to kind of compare? I don't know. It just, uh, but it's interesting. These masturbation clubs exist, uh, and mostly for gay men, but a chunk of those men who go are straight men as well, or bi-curious men, so, or bisexual men. Very interesting. Uh, I want to remind you that uh, CJD 800's Live and Interactive is taking place on April 24th. I'm so, so, so excited for this. We take you behind the scenes uh, and you'll tour our studios and you'll sit down for some off-the-record discussions. You can ask me anything you want live and in person. We're going to have lots of uh, treats and, and eats from Rub's American Barbecue and Bo's All Natural Brewery. You have to win your chance to get on there. So uh, go to cjad800.com and enter to win uh, your way into our live and interactive event on the 24th. Really excited. That's it for me. Thank you so much for listening and spending uh, your night, your week with me, however many times you listen. Uh, Thank you to our technical producer, Dave Simon, our passion researcher, Linda DeLisi. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Betito, B-E-T-I-T-O, or through my website, drlori.com. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. All the news you need right here. Have a great rest of the evening, a fabulous weekend, and remember to live your life with passion.